0: The old pilots plain tales. The Wood Duck Part One. During my time in Australia flying the FA18 Hornet with 77 Squadron, I met many fine and capable pilots, most of whom were old hands. But after a little while we began to acquire young pilots who were coming straight through the training system. They were keen and eager and it was a delight to have such enthusiastic officers on the squadron. One that sticks out in my mind was a fine young man who has moved on very well in the Australian Air Force. He's now a group captain and is currently working as the air attaché at the Australian Embassy in London. His name on the squadron, his nickname was Woody, but more formally Wood Duck, And he kindly invited me up to London to join him for an ale or two at a local pub near the embassy, where we caught up on our time together on 77 Squadron and how his career progressed. I hope you enjoy his story. Woody, first of all, tell me what you're doing here in the United Kingdom.
1: (laughs) Hey Nick, I'm the Royal Australian Air Force Air Advisor, or officially Air and Space Advisor, so basically I'm the uh, Chief of Air Force representative in the UK for the Royal Australian Air Force.
0: That sounds a very highfalutin job. And how many stripes on your shoulders nowadays?
1: Uh, four stripes these days, so uh, four thick man. ones. Good man, good <laughs> man. Now,
0: take us back to when we first met on the 77 Squadron. Um, which would have been back in nineteen eighty nine. Nine was yeah. it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So
1: I came off uh, Hornet conversion December eighty eight and joined seventy seven in January eighty nine. And you were the exchange officer there from the RAF.
0: Yeah, I know. Wasn't it fantastic? Um, so you had just you'd done your your basic training and your advanced jet training and weapons course and that was it and then you were straight on the hornets
1: yeah i still remember i i basically graduated the day i turned 21 it was my last ride on ocu up in townsville I spent my 21st birthday lying around the pool in Townsville, um, having finished my last ride. So that was a pretty good birthday present.
0: That and then uh,
1: turned up a 77 in January, and there's a brand new Hornet with my name painted on the side as a pilot officer. And there was not, you got not, your not name a better on feeling. A jet. Yep, I certainly ah, did. <laughs> unbelievable! Oh, that's fantastic. And if you going to fast forward to 2019, which we'll get to, I guess, when I was CEO of OCU, I was still flying that jet.
0: That jet wow. was on wow isn't that nice so you, they still have that jet it was on the ocu and got you, did you get your name put back on it not on that particular jet no oh what a shame <laughs> what a shame hey look um uh, I, I, we're just gonna sit and chat but i mean i i have lots of amazing memories from australia but you know it'd be interesting to hear it from someone else's perspective so what do you remember about that time on the 77?
1: Oh, just, I mean, obviously getting to a frontline fast jet squadron as a 21-year-old was just the dream, my dream come true. I've been fortunate enough to actually realise that dream, whereas a lot of people obviously don't. They actually get on the squadron, and I mean, 77 was just an absolutely fantastic squadron. There wasn't one person on there that we didn't get along and didn't have a great time with. Um, so apart from flying at, the, at that time about the best jet in the world, Uh, We had about the best team in the world, I reckon, as well. And we just had great fun. I remember we went to New Zealand in March of 89. So it was the first time we took Hornets across New Zealand. um, Yep. And and, uh, we spent three weeks over there. So to be able to do that and mix it up with the then New Zealand Kiwi A4 force, when they still had them, um, was fabulous. Yeah. Uh,
0: It was a sad day when I heard that they'd had that fast jets taken away from them
1: yeah not as sad as the Kiwis who are on the squad and felt I still know keep in touch with a few of those guys and they were there and then at the time when that happened and uh, yeah yeah would have been very sad
0: yeah sure. I, I remember when I returned to the UK you remember Gavin Howes? I do yeah yeah he he had actually been posted to the UK and uh, I pitched up with uh, you know standard um, boxes and he came knocking on the door thinking I was a <laughs> an Australian. Little did he realise. Um, got any amazing memories and old, old stories from those days? I've
1: got one. I seem to remember um, one of our last flights over in New Zealand before we came home was a fly pass of uh, Ohaki Air Base. And there was a FCI who subsequently became a two-star. And there was an RF exchange officer who went by the name of Nick, I think. And um, there was a bit of a pass over the flight line there, probably a little bit lower than authorised. And I still remember standing next to the squadron CO as he stormed off the, fl- off the flight line with a very stern look on his face going, ooh, this isn't going to end well. I seem to remember you rode the C-130
0: home after that, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I didn't get a ride in a jet, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, mo- let, let's move on. Yeah. We were together up in um, Darwin when yeah, we flying right. together there.
1: Yes, yeah, so exercise, exercise Kangaroo 89 is the next kind of major memory from 77 when you and I were paired up. You were my lead. I was a junior wingman. And we did the, it was about the 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift from oh God, memory, I, I think. i
0: seen or remember. For it about 10 days straight. It yeah. was horrible. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, I don't know what we'd done wrong to be put on that yep, shift.
1: It was about 10 days straight. We only got airborne about four or five times, I think, because no, there was no trade at night whatsoever. No, nah, everyone was in the bar. Yep. And yeah. we. I remember a couple of times we'd actually get put onto alert at the end of the runway at about 5 a.m. to sit there for an hour to then hand oh. over at 6 a.m. as they got airborne <laughs> to intercept the incoming ride.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> the, the fabled Royal Australian Air Force love of the, uh, the the dawn raid, they always anticipated a dawn raid. Yep. So we'd be there. I'm trying to remember what they called it because we actually had to have an engine running. That's right. Uh, on the end of the runway and yep. uh, we're sitting there. And do you remember we used to plug some kind of uh, – in communications, in- yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and and I I seem to recall because as we were sitting there, with our chins nodding down onto our um, life vests, um, anything you did or said in the cockpit used to be transmitted to all the hornets on the line.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think we're on uh, like the air defense network. Something it was an open open mic
0: chat. So um, what was the favourite trick to wake everybody up? I, I I did it a couple of times. Was to press the um, Emergency uh, yeah, that's test right. button. The fire test button. The, f- the engine yeah. fire test. Yep. So <laughs> bitching Betty would suddenly <laughs> right. go off saying, engine fire left, engine fire left, because that was transmitted to everybody. Yep. Yep. And before they realised what was going on, I remember these heads snapping around. Everyone looking at the same. That's right. I had forgotten that one. Yeah, right. right.
1: But there were a couple of there were a couple of good things. I remember making the sunrise a couple of times when we did get airborne. Oh, wasn't that fun? That was pretty spectacular. Um, Yeah,
0: absolutely. But one
1: of the scariest ones I've done to date at that time as well was we got sent off the interceptor, what turned out to be a P three at low level over the ocean at night, lights out, um, and we're down at I think it was around five hundred feet sitting on the wing of this P3. With what no was I lights.
0: doing? Something sensible, I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you are sitting down the back at a higher altitude
0: just watching. Yeah, that's right. Watching... Make sure I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> watching the world on the radar. Thinking, <laughs> don't want to go down there. I've that, done that too many times. Yeah. Did you actually ad- manage to identify? I did. Him? Yeah, no, did I do? Yep. Excellent. I left them with a burner burner plume
1: to say goodbye <laughs> as I we went back to the, <laughs> the uh, mess for breakfast while I stayed out there for another number of hours.
0: Now, breakfast in the mess, that reminds me, because we'd worked all night. And everyone else had been in the bar. When we had breakfast, we used to indulge ourselves a little, I think. We did. Because you could
1: have, because it was 24-7 Ops, you could have whatever you wanted for breakfast. So we actually, because it was our dinner, we had dinner at 6 a.m. or uh, 7 a.m. or something, and we'd have wine with dinner.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Everyone else is yep. having their cereal. Right. We're having a steak and a bottle of wine. That's yes, right. yep. absolutely. And then trying to sleep through the day—that was a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it was fun. First time to use sleeping drugs. Uh, thankfully, they helped. Yeah, temazepam. Yeah, temazepam. Uh, that's right.
0: Yeah, they—they they only told me afterwards that it's vaguely addictive. So, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I still haven't got rid of the habit. But there you go. No, uh, there were great times. Really good times. Absolutely. Now, uh, did you come, I'm sure you did, uh, to Malaysia with us? We did, yeah. So at the end of that year, which I believe was your
1: final Malaysian deployment. It was. It 89. was my last time, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that was uh, my first appointment to Malaysia. Brilliant. And um, that was superb as well. So we spent six weeks up there. Yes, um, we did indeed. Which was a long haul at that time, because we used to rotate two Hornets squadrons through there for six weeks at a time, plus an F-111 squadron for four weeks at a time every year at that time. It was a great holiday, I yeah, thought. It was yeah. going out
0: every evening uh, into the local, um, you know, eateries. Yep. Like, they were sort of roadside. Um Shacks. that's right <laughs> most of them yep. some of the hottest Chinese food I've ever had <laughs> I know I know it was great stuff don't was eat it? the orange chilies yeah and do you remember the, the beer girls that used to come around because yep. you yep. get the food from all the stalls and sit there that's right and then there'd yep. be a, the Carlsberg Karlsgr- girl and the Guinness girl yep. why on earth the Malaysians thought that Guinness was going to be something that everyone would want to <laughs> drink I do not know but they were the prettiest young ladies weren't yep, they they were uh, yep. yeah no. Absolutely, yeah. Good time they all around. Wonderful, and the the beer was so cold, and they uh, kept it coming. So uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah brilliant. No that no, was fabulous. Chilli crabs and uh, uh, ray flaps, yep. which we gave a different name, <laughs> and um, all the yeah it was extremely good food. Now yeah, I loved was, it. No, great um, times. So uh, now I eventually moved back to the UK, what did you carry on and do? Yeah, so I stayed on 77 squadron for three and a half years,
1: um, wow. and then got chosen to go and do our fighter weapons course, so F fighter combat instructor course, FCI course.
0: Now, that is, is a real feather in your cap to get that course, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was something I really wanted to do, and uh, there were two of us chosen off squadron to go, um, so Wildman and myself, and uh, so there were six of us on course, uh, so that was six months of the hardest work of my life at, uh, at our OCU going through that. Yeah, um, they
0: they don't hold back, do they? And no. you get given some pretty mammoth jobs to to yeah. do and plan and execute. Yeah, as well as all the technical knowledge you have to acquire. That's right.
1: Yeah. And um, I still remember it was back in the days when, you know, the US hadn't given us full access to all the information about the Hornet as well, so you're <laughs> yes. kind of doing a bit of it with half an arm tied behind your back as well.
0: I do remember that. I remember <laughs> opening the remember manuals. Photocopied out
1: pages. Yeah. And then
0: you'd, you'd have the front page, which would have the title of the section you're going to look in, and then it would just be blank paper. And <laughs> <Yep. laughs> literally photocopied or blanked out certain paragraphs yeah. in, the, in the books.
1: But, uh, you know, thankfully that, that went away later on, but it was a fair bit later on.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess they had to learn to trust you. Yeah, that's You're right. You're a devious bunch you Australians. That's exactly right. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's right. <laughs> so from the uh, FCI course, you would have got a plum posting, I would have thought. Well, I
1: actually ended up staying at OCU instructing for three years. So um, ah. I, was, I was dead keen to get back to 77 as the FCI, because I actually didn't yeah. have an FCI at the time. Um, but we were short of instructors at OCU as well, so... Whilst they were trying to get me out, I couldn't leave OCU either. So um, I managed to get away with seventy-seven on some exercises a few times while I was at OCU. You
0: still had some mates there, then? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I went and helped them out, which was good.
0: Um, and that
1: was fabulous. Uh, I mean, learning to instruct was—it was a great job as well. It, you know, really enjoyed my instructional time. Good. And you know, the people I've instructed of, having been around for a while now, you know, one of them is now the chief of our air force, for example. Um, All right. So oh right,
0: <laughs> excellent. <laughs> oh well, presumably he can do you a favour or two. I'd Perhaps like that's understand. why you're here in London. My, yeah, we'll, we'll come my, yeah. on to that. <laughs> we'll come on to that. So you worked on the ACU, and yep. and then what happened?
1: Well, what happened is a job opportunity outside of the Air Force, which I never knew anything about, came up, and that was um, then British Aerospace, yeah, you know, now BA Systems, um, doing contracts uh, instructing in Saudi Arabia. So, oh, fantastic! I actually left left Air Force and went to uh, went to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia via the UK for training on the um, PC9 at that stage. Okay. But in Saudi, I ended up actually flying the Mark sixty five Strike
0: Master, which oh, was quite quite. Yeah, the
1: you experience.
0: have to tell everyone what the <laughs> New Zealanders called the Strike Master. Yeah, they call it the Bluntie. Yeah, you look at I it, know. it's just as big blunt. We have to remember that this was uh, basically the same jet trainer that I flew as a student when I first joined the Air Force back in nineteen seventy four. So. Uh, they'd tilted it up a bit, I think. Yeah, it's
1: fairly powerful. I mean, it's the most powerful version of the Strike by the way. so it had about double the power of the original JPs. Um, yeah. But of course, we fixed that by putting it in at an airfield 2,000 foot elevation in 45 <laughs> degree heat, and then put underwing <laughs> tanks on it as well. Oh, um, good lord. So doing formation takeoffs, even on a 10,000 foot runway where you're rotating at about 8,000 feet, was quite.
0: My lord! Oh hell! No, that sounds dreadful. No, thank you very much. I do remember a story of uh, a a front line, and he was a Jaguar pilot, not used to high levels of thrust. The Jaguar pilot is notoriously, sorry, the Jaguar is notoriously underpowered. Did his first uh, flight on a JP3, uh, and he aborted the takeoff because he thought there was something wrong with the (laughs) engine. (laughs) <laughs> it was called engineering design yeah, abs- <laughs> yes it was indeed that that little old viper Anyway, yeah. so um, it must have been fun flying out there.
1: It was, it was interesting flying. Um, very, very different culturally, obviously, working in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, it would have been. So yeah, we had basically yeah. about 14 to 16 contract instructors on each squadron, but with Saudi Air Force command over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately for me, from my perspective, I was actually doing basic navigator training rather than pilot training. So I got to fly oh, the whole excellent. time.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, you were doing all the polling. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and making these guys a bit
1: sick. Uh, some would get sick Uh, the the most interesting thing was normally the the basic navigators were ones who'd failed their initial screening going through pilot training and the majority of them would fail because they can't speak English and then we had to turn them into navigators whose primary requirement was to talk to the pilot (laughs) in English English. (laughs) so that was a challenge in itself um but okay. uh, it, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, some incredible uh, landscapes around around Saudi yeah. Arabia to fly around in. A lot of low um, flying? Yeah, a lot of low flying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, around Riyadh, was relatively flat. Um, but
0: Many thanks, Woody. And we'll join him again next time for the conclusion of the story of his life in the air.